The following is a message by Pastor Ken Prater of Durkeytown Baptist Church in Fort Edward, New York. For more information about Durkeytown, please visit our website at www.durkeytown.org. That's D-U-R-K-E-E-T-O-W-N dot O-R-G. Some of the bystanders said to them, what are you doing untying the colt? They told them what Jesus had said, and they allowed them to take it. Then they brought the colt to Jesus and threw their cloaks on it, and he sat on it. Many people spread their cloaks on the road, and others spread leafy branches that they had cut in the fields. Then those who went ahead and those who followed were shouting, Hosanna! Blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the coming kingdom of our ancestor David. Hosanna in the highest heaven. You may be seated. Children uh, can be dismissed to Children's Church. And uh, good to see everyone this morning. Andrew, not the dis- yes, the disciple Andrew, our disciple Andrew, it's good to see you this morning. I do want to, before I um, begin the sermon, um, to um, just mention that uh, this past week, our sister Mary Hunter was uh, peacefully and wonderfully ushered into the presence of the Lord, and uh, her passing uh, ends uh, a real... T- a time of difficulty and challenge and suffering, but by God's grace, uh, her family lovingly caring for her. So to the Hunter Armstrong family and our church, we send our, um, our condolences, but most of all our comfort in Christ. Mary, as a faithful Christian, um, is resting uh, at peace with her Savior. Uh, the service will be uh, here at Durkeytown this coming Thursday, 10 a.m., and uh, if you are free and would like to come, all would be, all would be welcome. Um, we are uh, beginning the journey into Holy Week proper, as we might say. Palm Sunday, also uh, known as Passion Sunday, as it is the beginning of the week in which we reflect and think upon uh, the life of Jesus. Uh, as you know, has uh, been a tradition in our church now, I'm, I'm guessing for plus 20 years that we have had services each night of the week between Palm Sunday and Good Friday that we might reflect on the life of Jesus and the meaning of his life and his death and then of course next Sunday for his resurrection. The details of next Sunday in your bulletin and I don't want to take time on that right now but please Read your bulletin and be aware of what's happening next week. Sunrise service, baptism before the 1030 service, and then our celebration, the resurrection of Jesus. But to be reminded also that every Sunday is its own mini Easter in which we are free in Christ to celebrate his life as a people risen with Christ. We should keep in mind whenever we come to Holy Week, uh, the prophecy that was made as the apostle, excuse me, as Luke records for us in, uh, in his record of the birth of Christ, it's the prophecy that Simeon 
made in the temple when um, he holds eight-day-old Jesus in his arms. And he says to Mary, Behold, this child is appointed for the fall and rising of many in Israel, and for a sign that is opposed, and a sword will pierce through your soul also, so that thoughts from many hearts may be revealed. By the end of this week, Mary's heart uh, will be pierced as she looks upon her son who is also pierced. By the end of the week, uh, the hearts will be revealed and the child who is the man will fulfill his vocation and many in Israel will fall and many will rise. It is not an overstatement to say that the week between the entrance of Jesus into the city of Jerusalem and then the day of his resurrection was the most important week in all of human history and remains so. I mentioned this past Wednesday night in our uh, final uh, Wednesday night reflection that we should keep in mind the three miracles that Jesus performed as he was approaching Jerusalem. These miracles uh, help frame the joyful expectation of the people. Those miracles being the raising of Lazarus from the dead, the deliverance of Zacchaeus from his bondage to sin, and the healing of blind Bartimaeus. These actions by Jesus serve as a sign of fulfillment of his messianic work that is described in Isaiah 61. Isaiah 61 that says, The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and the opening of the prison to those who are bound, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Now, it would also be good to recall that that particular prophecy, Jesus actually reads in his own hometown synagogue at the beginning of his public ministry, which would have been just three years prior to what... Uh, Ivy read for us from Mark chapter number 11. And during that three years, during that span of time, Jesus would fulfill that prophecy. But in the days leading up to his entrance into the city, the prophecy really comes to life in the lives of Lazarus, Zacchaeus, and Bartimaeus. What does the prophecy say? That the uh, Lord's anointed service would do, he would bring good news to the poor. Remember what happens after Zacchaeus has his encounter with Jesus? He pays back fourfold those that he had swindled. He gives half of his money to the poor. He binds up the brokenhearted. The servant will Bind up the brokenhearted, the sisters of Lazarus, deeply wounded by the death of their brother. And what does Jesus do? He binds up their wounds as he gives them back their brother alive from the dead. 
And what does the prophecy say? That he will proclaim liberty to captives and he will open the prison to those who are bound. Lazarus held captive by death. Mary and Martha held captive by grief. Zacchaeus held captive by greed. The people Zacchaeus cheated held captive by his power over them. Bartimaeus held captive as a beggar because of his blindness. Now the raising of Lazarus from the dead may have had the most impact, and the Apostle John would certainly suggest that in John 12. But when you put the other miracles together with it, we can see a bit more clearly why the people came together with such enthusiasm and celebration raising their palm branches. A bunch of poor people just received money. For the first time in a long time, Ron and I got a little bit of money back from our taxes and we danced a jig. We're like, oh my goodness, how did that happen? You know, we're like, wow, just applying it to next year's taxes, but that's okay, you know. Can you imagine that you were swindled and years later, the guy that swindled you comes and says, I'm going to pay you back your money, but not just that, I'm going to pay you back fourfold. You go, well, why are you doing that? Well, I met Jesus. He came to my house and he said, salvation has come to your house, Zacchaeus. Can you imagine the enthusiasm of seeing a man raised from the dead? He had been dead four days. Martha's like, don't open the tomb. His body stinketh, as the King James would say. And Jesus said, did I not say to you that if you would believe me, you would see the glory of God? Bartimaeus, as we reflected this past Wednesday night, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Quiet down, Bartimaeus, quiet down. No, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Hey, he's calling you. He springs up, throws off what is most likely the only possession that he has, his cloak. There it goes, and he makes his way to Jesus. What do you want me to do for you? I want to receive my sight. Your faith has made you whole. And what does Bartimaeus do? He follows Jesus. No wonder there's a celebration at the entrance of the gates of Jerusalem. The people naturally assume the celebration is about to turn into a coronation. But, but who would have thought that just five days later, it would all collapse into confusion, into darkness. That all of their hopes and dreams would become dark. Before I told Rhonda the good news about this tax thing, I, 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 I texted Ray Jenks and I said, are you sure? Because I, I don't want the disappointment on the other side. <laughs> but can you imagine the joy and the celebration and then five days later, the confusion? By Friday afternoon, everyone had to be wondering what happened. The one who entered the city with such a surge of popularity now driven from the city to be crucified. 
within three hours after being nailed to a cross, the 33-year-old son of Mary is dead. His naked body hung, nailed to a cross on the craggy hillside of a garbage dump. I was struck by a poem I read this week by John Heath Stubbs. We'll put the, 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 the um, little couplet up on the screen for you. In the middle of the world, in the center of the polluted heart of man, a midden, a stake stemmed in the rubbish. Why add a midden? I was not familiar with the word until I read the poem. And then in his commentary on the poem, Malcolm Geit says this about the word midden. The word may come as a shock, but it reminds us that Golgotha was indeed a rubbish heap. A place where the unclean offscorings of Jerusalem were thrown. That is why the Romans chose to crucify Jews there. They knew that the veneration in Judaism for the clean and holy would make death in such an unclean place distinctly horrific. Distinctly horrific. You see, the victory over sin and death would not, could not be won on a parade ground. It could, would not, could not be won sitting on the borrowed colt of a donkey. It could not, would not be won at the entrance of the city of Jerusalem. The victory would be won in the only place it could be won, and that is right in the center of it all, right in the middle of the polluted heart of humanity. For it would be there that the God of unquenchable love would descend into the particulars of our rubbish. And it is there that he would provide forgiveness for sins in the only way forgiveness could be provided for. He who knew no sin became sin for us. As Malcolm Guite thinks further into the word midden, which, which means rubbish or garbage heap, he sees two things taking place at the center of the polluted heart of man. One is crucifixion for the forgiveness of sins. This is what Jesus does. He accomplishes in his death by crucifixion forgiveness for sins. But the other thing that is happening there that we must not forget is new creation. For Jesus not only became sin for us, but he did so in order that we might become the righteousness of God in him. Who would have ever thought that in the garbage heap, in the most desolate, God-forsaken place, that not only sins could be forgiven, but new creation could spring up. This is the glory. This is the grandeur of the gospel that we have proclaimed to you since Todd walked up here with all of his enthusiasms and got us moving. 
This past week, Rhonda and I ran into just a bit of car trouble. Nothing serious, nothing serious, all is well. But God answered my prayers because whenever this happens, I pray, please, God, let someone come along who knows what they're doing. And God answered my prayers. And someone came along that knew what they were doing. This Palm Sunday, we must become willing to admit two things. One is that we have a lot more than a bit of car trouble. And the other is that we simply don't know what to do about it. What is that bit of trouble? Well, the Bible tells us that the darkness of eternal judgment looms large on the horizon of our brief life. If you are yet a Christian, let me ask you, how do you exactly plan on escaping judgment if you neglect so great a salvation? I mean, it's obvious that the human self-salvation project isn't working never has, never will. But here's the good news. God knew what to do, and God was willing to do it. That is really good news. Through the death of Jesus, the Lord's favor is offered to all sinners who would come confessing their sins and by faith receiving God's salvation. When we turn from our sins and by faith we cry out to God, His cleansing enters into us and we enter into His favor and forever we escape the judgment. Like our dear sister Mary Hunter, when we die we are ushered into the presence of Almighty God with all of His love and all of His mercy and all of His grace and peace is ours. Have you... Have you received it? Have you received that grace? I don't mean do you have a little bit of religion in your head. I don't mean do you know a little bit of stuff about church. I mean have you personally received by faith the grace poured out in Jesus Christ? Has it transformed your life, this grace? The author, Bobby Gross, I think has done the church a huge favor by providing a guide through the uh, liturgical year. And in his section on Palm Sunday, this is what he writes. I don't remember, Sarah, is that one of the things that are supposed to be up there? I didn't mark in my notes what's supposed to be up on the screen, my bad. But here's what he writes. As we rehearse the messianic entrance of Jesus into Jerusalem on this last Sunday of Lent, we sing with exuberance and we wince with foreboding. Hosanna, Hosanna actually expresses both impulses. Our joyous praise to the king and our humble plea for a savior. Since the literal meaning of Hosanna is save, I pray. So when you wave those palm branches and with Todd we said, Hosanna, Hosanna in the highest, we're saying, save us, Lord. Save us, we pray. Both impulse, joyous praise. Thank you, God, you've saved me. And the foreboding, 
as we think about what it took in order for God to save us. You see, we need to be reminded, don't we, that the need of the crowd that gathered on that first day, what we call Palm Sunday, they wouldn't have called it that, but on that day, their need is no different from what we need today. They desperately needed the favorable year of the Lord to come. Poor people needed money. People who were swindled needed to get their money back. People need to be raised from the dead and the blind needed to be able to see. Do we not need yet the favorable year of the Lord to come upon us? Are there not Zacchaeus-like sinners among us today? Maybe you haven't stolen money. Maybe you stole somebody's reputation. Maybe you, maybe you swindled somebody out of something else. Are there not Zacchaeus-like sinners among us? Are, are, are there not some still in their blindness, in their, in their spiritual darkness and spiritual deadness, haven't, haven't felt the spirits moving in your life for who knows how long, and you're just coming to church because you know you better come to church, or someone might call you and say, why aren't you coming to church, but not really feeling much? Do we not need comfort in our sadnesses and in our sorrows? Is it not time for us to cry out, Save, Lord, I pray. Hosanna, save us, Lord. Hosanna. But then as I look out on this parish community that is all around us, I'm reminded that just as the deliverances of Lazarus and Zacchaeus and Bartimaeus pointed to Jesus and gave the people of Israel hope that you and I, we too, can become signposts for our community. We can become signposts of hope for people around us. If Jesus has brought salvation to us, then let us, like Zacchaeus, make restitution with those that we have hurt or those that we have injured. Imagine the impact of being paid back what a powerful rich person swindled you out of. No different than the impact of someone coming to you or you going to somebody and saying, would you forgive me? I forgive you. What, a, what an impact that might make on friends and neighbors or coworkers or kids at school or family members, whatever it might be. And they say to you, well, why are you doing that? And you say, well, salvation has come to my house. Jesus, I met Jesus. If Jesus has brought us out of our darkness and into light, then let us cast off what we have and wholeheartedly follow Jesus and encourage others to follow him as well. I guess it's gone out of fashion to personally invite another person to church. I know we try to do it on social media and put signs out or whatever. But let's... Let's not diminish the impact 
of personal invitation, knowing that our blindness has been removed by God's grace, maybe somebody else needs to have their blindness removed as well. And if God in Christ has performed a mighty miracle, then by God's grace, let us pour forth extravagant and costly devotion as Mary did. The sister of Lazarus, when she opened up her vial of perfume that anointed the feet of Jesus, let her hair down and wiped the feet of Jesus. Let us have our lives opened up by the gospel of God's grace so that the fragrant perfume of the forgiveness of God in Christ fills the air wherever we go. That our lives are filled with costly, costly sacrifice and devotion. So on this Palm Sunday, it is entirely fitting that we say what? Oh, did we already forget here? Thanks, Paul. Leave me, Todd, leave me some palm branches. What do we say? Hosanna! Hosanna in the highest! Blessed is he who... They did it for you, and they forgot. I mean, it's, it's only been like, you know, 10 minutes. I just kept it to one word. Oh, that was it. That was it. All right, let's say it together. Hosanna! Hosanna! I mean, if that is true for us, if that is true for us, then it is good that we join in the celebration of our king who rode into Jerusalem on a donkey's colt and will ride in again in glory. Not to surrender to death, but to receive praise and honor and all glory as the exalted king. So I pray that this week the Spirit might be at work and many will come out each night this week as much as God would allow you and enable you to come. And that perhaps even you would invite others to come and join in this journey as we go deeper into the city of Jerusalem. For it is there in the middle of Jerusalem that we find Jesus. We find Jesus. And it is outside of the city of Jerusalem that we find Jesus, the stake stemmed in the rubbish. He is the one whose life we have the privilege to consider each night this week. And as we look at him, and as we consider the meaning of his life, the meaning of his death, the meaning of his resurrection, and just another month down the road in the month of May, we, we, we consider the meaning of his ascension and exaltation. I pray that we as God's people will receive him fully by faith. But today, if you have never come into a saving personal relationship with Jesus Christ, that today might be the day of your salvation. The favorable year of the Lord has come. And so, one last time, ready? Let us wave those palm branches and say, Hosanna! Hosanna! Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the coming of our father David. Hosanna in the highest. Amen. Now, Father, I pray that the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart would have been acceptable in your sight, O oh Lord, my strength and my Redeemer. And I'd like to give us just a moment to consider then in our own lives what this means.
and what the Lord might have in store for us this day and in this coming week. And to say that if you have never come into a relationship with Jesus Christ, or perhaps your faith has fallen on hard times, that you might see me if you are in need of counsel, but that we all might, by God's grace, move closer into his life. Let's be quiet for a few moments as we consider God's word before us. Thank you for listening to this message by Pastor Ken Prater of Durkeytown Baptist Church in Fort Edward, New York. You may freely copy and distribute this message, but please do so at no charge and without altering the contents in any way. For more information about Durkeytown, please visit our website at www.durkeytown.org.